Hello, and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am on the unceded territory, the traditional lands of the Multnomah, Wasco, Calitz, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. Today, I want to talk about preparing for the unpreparable. I, I've been thinking a lot about this today. Just how do we prepare for something that we're living through when there feels like or seems like there's really no way to prepare for what we're already in? But I'm going to tackle it anyway. So, without further ado, let's talk about it. Before I get into this topic, I firstly want to say that I don't know if what I'm saying is the right thing for you to do, is the right way for you to handle the situation that you're in, because every situation is unique to the person. And I might have some insight, I hope I have some insight that could help you navigate your own situation. But it is still your situation, and it is still unique to you. So I'm going to tell you what I tell my spiritual direction clients. Take what works for you and leave the rest, or throw it all away if it doesn't work for you. I trust you that you know what's best for yourself, that you can listen to what I say, weigh it, and go, yeah, this thing that Angie said... I think I could try that. That feels good to me. This other thing, that's a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Or that definitely wouldn't work in my situation. That's what I want you to do. I want the same thing offered to me when I, you know, when I go to a therapist or when I meet with my spiritual director is I want somebody to hold space for me and trust that I know what's best for me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't go into those situations hoping for helps, hoping for information that maybe I haven't heard before, or that my therapist might throw a curveball at me and I might be a little nervous to try it and it might work. But I want to be given room to think about that information and think about what feels good to me and what feels right for my body and my circumstance. And I want the same for you. I want you to be able to take what I'm saying and throw out what doesn't work and pick up what does and try it out and see how it fits for you. Because it's an experiment. And this podcast is an experiment. 
Some of the things that I talk about, I have tried. A lot of them I've tried. A lot of them have worked. Some of them maybe haven't worked like I've thought. And so I know that they'll work in future. And so I've picked them up, tried them on, and maybe they've got me a little bit further than where I was, but they didn't work exactly like I was hoping. So it's trial and error is basically what I'm saying. But I am giving you the things that I think might be helpful. And it's up to you to take what feels good, what you think will work, and try it on and see how how it fits and throw out what doesn't. That brings me to today's topic. And I was walking the dogs this morning and I was thinking about just a really brief encounter I had yesterday. I was also walking the dogs and I was coming home and I ran into a old friend slash neighbor and I hadn't seen him in a really long time, probably even before the pandemic. And I said, hey, Skip, how's it going? And he was like, well, it's okay. I'm not very good at surface, y'all. And so I said, yeah, <laughs> something like things are kind of overwhelming right now. And he was like, yeah, I just pretty much doesn't let up. And I was like, yep, yep. And that got me thinking about what is helpful in times of trouble. And so all I can do is tell you what I think is helpful to me in times of trouble, times of heightened stress and anxiety, times of um, world turmoil, and then hope that it's also helpful to you. And one of the things that is most helpful to me that I remember this morning on my walk is talking about my problems, talking about my pain, talking about my confusion, talking. And one of the ways I do that is through this podcast. And another way I do that is talking to my trusted few. I have um, friends that can hold that with me. Some hold different, different things with me. Some are better at, you know, on the ground crisis. um, And some are better at a really hard emotional conversation to unravel. Some are good at showing up with food or a card or just a kind word. But I need to talk about it. And and I know that that isn't... I think we all benefit from talking about it. But I, I do want to acknowledge that I know that not everybody is a verbal processor. And I am a verbal processor. So it is very helpful to me. I think probably all the verbal processors out there would also say it's helpful to them. And so when I when I think about that, does it take away the weight of what is going on right now? Not really. But what I think talking about it with you all and my trusted few does is it 
takes that weight that sits firmly on my shoulders and is almost unbearably overwhelming and heavy and it disperses it out so that I'm not the only one carrying it. And I want to unpack that a little bit because I say that and I also say, I also want to say at the same time is I don't want to put unnecessary weight on others. So one of the habits that I'm trying to get into is asking people if they have the capacity to hear what I need to talk about. And that works also to kind of help them not to have more weight. You know, maybe they're in an overwhelm right now and they can't take my stuff. It gives them permission to say, I can't hear that right now. So when you when you get into a conversation like that and you ask, then you have to be prepared for the no. Um, and then you can also ask, is there a time that you think that you could, that you would have space to listen to me? Because I, I really need somebody to hear what I have to say. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to even offer ideas. I just need somebody to hold this with me. And the people in your life that are your trusted few, I think will be honest with you because you've built that up. The other thing that it does with that dispersal of weight to just go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not just carrying this by myself. I'm trusting that other people have the capacity to hear and hold which is a risky thing. It's a vulnerability. And then when they hear and hold that, whatever you're going to talk about, it has this other benefit of, I think, of them being able to also go, oh, I'm not alone. I'm also feeling overwhelmingly sad without really maybe understanding why right now or I'm feeling very anxious or maybe I'm not feeling what Angie's feeling right now but at least I know that somebody else is feeling something that doesn't fit with oh everything back to normal and so I know I'm not alone even though maybe what we're going through right now doesn't line up it really is carrying each other's burdens, I guess, which is, I'm guessing, not only biblical, but, you know, what we're created to do is help and carry what we can carry and then also not carry what we're not intended to carry. When I think about what we're heading into, possibly, you know, what the signs are saying is that we could potentially you know, be facing some pretty hard things with this pandemic, um, you know, the new variants, the new strains. Um, and we haven't even been able to experience the grief of what we're still living in. Because every time we start to maybe have some kind of rhythm, 
you know, maybe at least find our way as best we can with the limitations that we're experiencing, whatever that is for you in particular, something else happens. And for me, I think one of the most frustrating things is uh, the jumping of the gun, which I was in track. And if you don't know what jumping of the gun is, it's or jumping the gun is when they, you know, shoot that gun. And that's your moment where you're supposed to release yourself from your, I don't even know what you call them, the things that you put your cleats in and you're getting ready to start your race and then they shoot it. And that's when you're supposed to take off. And if you... If you go too soon, then you get a penalty. I think you get one chance. Anyway, (laughs) I digress. Uh, But it feels that way in in the pandemic. It's it's like I get, you know, people wanting to return to some kind of normalcy. Businesses and (sighs) humans just needing other human connection. And then it feels like everything opens too fast. And um, then, you know, there's a, they've jumped the gun. And then we're back at, you know, like you take, you go forward a few steps and then you're back 10, 10 steps. And for me and my personality, I don't know what it feels like to you is it feels like that is harder than just kind of taking one step at a time and easing forward slowly that always like jerking back okay we're free to do this now and oh no we can't do that and or we're no masks anymore everybody's free to like interact with each other and then we have all these people that are still vulnerable because you know they have a pre-existing condition that doesn't allow them to get the vaccine and we have all these young people that can't get it because they're too young and I I just I think I want to live in a world that takes the whole into consideration and I think that you know that maybe that's a pipe dream is that we consider each other and we think okay yeah I'm probably going to be fine if I go around without a mask on and who's around me that I could potentially unknowingly hurt. Because that's what happened to my son. He is vaccinated, living in LA, and everybody around him is vaccinated. All of his roommates are doubly vaccinated. And then they went somewhere where they thought that everybody was vaccinated and somebody showed up and they don't know who it was and exposed everybody in that room to the Delta variant and he and his roommate got the Delta variant and he was he said he was the sickest he has ever been for about a week and a half and so he lost his ability to work because he was positive so he lost money he lost time and not to mention he felt terrible Now he's recovered, but that's what I mean. Like, I just want to live in a place where we consider the other, (laughs) whatever, even if we don't have any idea whether they're vaccinated or not, whether they are um, anti-vaxxers or whatever, 
you know, just considering the possibility that for whatever reason, maybe somebody has not been able to get vaccinated and we're just going to, we're just going to lead with trying to protect. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but (laughs) I think it fits into what I'm talking about. It's, it's like this idea of if I tell you, if you're willing to listen to my pain, my fears, my stress, my grief, and I can share a little bit of that with you and you're willing to take a little bit of that from me. And maybe it's a give and take where you also, we've had a conversation and you say, well, I also need a listening ear. Do you mind? And so we share each other's load, each other's burden. I would say that that's caring for the whole. And that's how I want to be in the world. I want to be thinking not who has done what and have they complied and are they obedient. I mean, it's like... When I used to do food church, which was a food distribution that we did at the bridge where I pastored, and um, people would complain, you know, like, oh, they're taking too much, or they're taking more than they need. And yes, that could be a problem. Well, and they've got fancy clothes, and they're driving a convertible. And um, somebody said to me once, If I start looking at the way people dress and the way people are and start judging who deserves what, then I will be consumed by that. Instead, I'm just across the board saying everybody deserves food. Everybody deserves what we have. And the hope is that people don't take too much and that you set up a system where For the most part, that's preventable. But people get in their fear. And they get in their panic and they take too much. And they don't think about the whole. So that that is part of the whole process. But how do we set up a system for ourselves to face the things that we're facing not only globally with everything heating up and the pandemic and water being threatened on in indigenous communities and you know it not being equitable job wise and you know, refugees fleeing for their lives and Palestinians still under threat. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And we need to pay attention. And we also need to take care of ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is, like I said, is finding safe people that can help us carry carry the load, carry the burden, and that we can then in turn also do it for them. Not just, not always just assuming that everybody has too much. 
I think sometimes when we do that, it's a boundary cross because then we're deciding that my thing is too much for you. And I'm not even giving you a chance to say, I want to hear you. And right now I'm just not in a good space. I need to get some, you know, if I can, I need to clear up some space inside myself to kind of hear you and and properly hold that space for you. Or thank you for trusting me with your story. Thank you for trusting me to hold this space for you. I, I feel like sometimes people don't want to tell me things because, you know, I'm in my own stuff and so they think I don't have the capacity to hear. I think that happens a lot. You know, that I decide that you have too much on your plate to hear my needs. And so you don't even get the chance to say, yes, I can hear it or no, I can't before you're isolated from it. And I think we have to trust our trusted few a little bit more and also be able to hear when they can't hold it because that's fair too. Not everybody has the capacity in that moment, but that doesn't mean they never can and it is risky. And then some of the practical ways, you know, we share with people We ask them to help us hold what we can't hold alone. We give in the ways that we can give. Generosity is a fighter of, I would say, I don't even know how to put this. It's not the fighter of giving up or the antidote for giving up. But in a way, it it is. Like any kind of generosity, any kind of, it doesn't have to be financial generosity. It can be, you know, like we've talked about in the past, I'm going to get into the habit of checking on my neighbors again. Or I have extra canned food in my cupboard that I that I could spare. So I'm going to put a box out in my front yard that says free. Or right now, one of the things that I... <laughs> it's silly. But one of the things I keep thinking of, because we are in the middle of another heat wave in Oregon. So it's going to be in the high 90s, possibly hit 100 um, tomorrow, is I want to put some water out for the crows and for the other animals um, because it's going to hit them really hard. So that's, that's a way that I can combat the feelings of it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I do, this tidal wave of, you know, climate change and a tidal wave of not enough jobs, not enough provision, a tidal waves of people breaking treaties, a tidal wave of, um, you know, people putting the middle finger up of caring for each other. The little tiny acts of generosity, whatever they are, maybe you have more wiggle room to give financially, then I recommend doing that. I recommend, and I'll, I'll put a link to this. Um, I've got to do a little bit of research, but I'll put a link to the group um, Water is Life that's fighting for um, protecting the waters right now. 
um, in the United States and the broken, the broken laws and the broken treaties. Um, but I'm sure you could give money to them. You can still give money to um, the Black Resilience Fund. You can still um, buy indigenous um, jewelry and medicines and stuff that they have. And I'll put the link to that again. I've talked about that before. But there are things that you can do that don't have money. You can listen to a friend if you have that capacity. You can check on friends if you have that capacity. You know, you're like, oh, I don't have the money right now or the resources to put stuff out, but I can check on my neighbor. I can, you know, reach out to a friend and just make sure that they're doing okay. There are little things that we do, but, but that act of generosity combats that feeling that there is nothing that we can do. And power will always win. It combats that. And it's small. And maybe it feels pitiful in the moment. But it is the thing, it is the cogs that keep, it's the cogs that keep us going. It's the cogs that keep relationship going. It is the tiny little acts of courage that combat the power structures and eventually erode them. So that's something, that those acts of generosity, finding things, again, like what feels good to you. Does it feel good to call somebody? Does it feel better to write a letter or send a postcard? Do the things, don't pick the things that don't feel good to you. Pick the things that feel like a natural leaning. And then act on those. Like one of the things that I do every Thursday that I'm in town is I make, in the winter, I make soup for the homeless or in the summer, because it's been so hot, I make pasta salad every week, and it's a huge container. And so one of the ways that I am choosing to be generous, choosing to still engage, is by doing that. That is my act that I do. I do other things, but this is something that unless I am out of town, I have a commitment to every Thursday to do this. And it's very small. I mean, it takes a few hours, but it's a very small act. It's not going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. It's not going to shift power, <laughs> the power structures. But it is my tiny act of revolution that I will continue to do until they don't need me to do it anymore. Or until I have no resources to do that, which I don't see happening. And one of the other things that I do that that I think I've mentioned on this is when I make that soup or I make that pasta salad, I try to put love and care and energy into it. It, It's another very small act. I don't want to be grouchy and pissed off when I make that meal. I want love and care and sustenance and there to be enough energy putting that kind of energy into the making of the food so that it is at least in my mind it's crossing you know those invisible boundaries and 
it's putting love into something that I wish wasn't even a thing. I wish there never had to be somebody that lived outside. I wish that that was not something that needed to happen, that people needed to find ways to be fed. But that is the world that we're living in. And so I combat that world with tiny little acts of revolution that also help me and myself to not feel so powerless over the things that are happening. And then I... I'm I'm sure I'll think of other things, y'all, but one of the things that I think that I've been thinking, I think that I've been thinking, (laughs) one of the things that I've been thinking about and my daughter and I were talking about is I want to start planning right now for things to get worse. So let me unpack that. I don't want things to get worse. I want people to stay well and no nobody else die from COVID. And I want to prepare myself emotionally for things to shift and kind of go backwards a little bit. Because I don't want to be caught off guard. And so we were talking today a, lot, uh, a little bit about I think she called them like mental health care kits. And that's you, you talk to yourself about when you feel good, what does that feel like in your body? What does that look like maybe in your surroundings? And how can you nurture that? Because sometimes we have to recognize what good feels like in order to notice it when we actually feel good. I mean, maybe for some people it's, you know, they don't have to do that with good feelings. Maybe they have to do that with grief or anger or sadness, that they have to first notice what that feels like in their bodies so that then they don't tamp it down or try to avoid it, but can can just let it be what it is and feel it. Whatever it is, one of the things that you start with is just knowing what good, what it feels like to feel good. And then what are some of the things that make you feel good? You know, in that kit, we've talked about, you know, what goes in your back pocket. I know that being outdoors makes me feel good, helps me feel good, helps me get in touch with my body my breath, you know, just all that oxygen is helpful. I know that I love teaching archery. And sometimes when I'm teaching archery all the time, I don't get up and shoot. And archery is one of the best ways for me to center in my body and stay present with my breath and relax and then get all that garbage out that I've been collecting. One of the ways... I've worked on how do I get archery when I'm teaching it all the time is to when I'm now when I'm teaching in the morning I usually start a lesson at nine I'll get up at six 
I'll do my morning time, you know, reading and meditating or, you know, right now it's basically just sitting with my cup of coffee and reading and I haven't really been doing meditating um, because I just haven't been feeling it. But spending time with myself in the morning, just being. And then I get up to the archery range an hour before my lesson and I shoot for an hour because I have to, that has to be a priority for me because I know that it feels good to me. Coming up with a list of the things that help you feel good, help you stay present. You know, you might come up with 10 things like, you know, sometimes for me, meditation feels really good. Sometimes it doesn't. We've We've talked about this in, I think, the beginning of last season, season three, you know, where I just couldn't meditate anymore. And I just, during the pandemic, have sat in my backyard and looked at my tree and just meditated on, my, on the Doug fir in the backyard. Right now, I'm not doing that. So what are the things that feel good doing the list, like meditation, looking at the tree in the backyard, some mindfulness, maybe walks with the dogs, getting in the woods, shooting. If I have time, getting to my river spot, uh, maybe eating something that is very tasty, giving myself a cold shower on a 100-degree day. Um, one of the things that I've been doing to kind of build a presence with my body is my sister made this calendula oil that smells amazing it's like smells like outdoors she put in I don't even know what she, what um what the scent was that she put in it might have been cedar but it smells so good and so when I get out of the shower I put that oil on my skin on my body and I rub it in and I try to be present because I don't want to be detached, be detached from this vessel that I live in. And it is very easy for me to be detached when I'm mad at it or I feel it betraying me in some way through age or injury or just the things that have happened to me in my life. The body didn't do that. Other people did it. The body was exposed to it, and I, I want to be present and take care of the body. So that's something that I can put on my list. Um, getting up early sometimes and just sitting, just being. I've been practicing um, humming when I go, when I drive up to the archery range and I get into the woods, I shut off the music and any kind of background noise and I roll my windows down in my car and one of the things that I try to do is say the names of the people that are going to be coming to my workshop and kind of hold that space for them that they can learn something new and be kind to themselves and be present and have a good time and then I've been practicing um humming which I learned from Resma Memekin in from my grandmother's hands. And it's, you know, I, I've been singing my whole life and probably humming, but not humming with the intention to 
be centered in my body and to calm my body. I've also been practicing a technique that he teaches that um, I think it's supposed to align the vagus nerve. You can look it up. Um, If I can find a link to it, I'll put that in the podcast too. It's really easy and um, it feels good. And, you know, I always go to my butterfly taps that I've talked about on here, the 25 slaps and then the breath. Also talking about different things that help you feel good, you know, with my family, like listening to Brennan's ideas and the way she kind of deals with or creates containers or back pockets for herself. Because sometimes when you hear other people say, you know, like my friend Molly, I don't know if she'd say that this was a meditation practice or even a mindful practice, but when she makes cookie dough, she always has some in the freezer. She leaves some in the freezer so that when she needs a cookie or when she has somebody come over, she can offer them a warm cookie. And I don't think most of us could argue with how good a warm cookie tastes. Also, just a spoonful of cookie dough tastes pretty good, too. So, things like that. But I want to encourage you to be thinking about preparing in a time when you haven't really been given the time to prepare. I also recommend if you have access to therapy or access to a spiritual director or have the financial room to hire a, a, a spiritual director or a therapist or both. Um, I go to both. I, I, I don't have the money typically to do both at the same time or even the emotional bandwidth. That's just, you know, cause I, it's, it's hard for me to go to both at the same time. So typically what I do is sometimes they overlap, but I'll go to my therapist and work on stuff you know, for eight to 12 weeks. And then maybe I'll have one or two spiritual direction appointments in that time. And then when I'm done with like what I've been working on in therapy, sometimes I'll take a break for six months and I'll work on um, going to my spiritual director more regularly. It kind of is, you have to learn what works for you. I tend to be somebody that gets when I'm working on something emotional or um, trauma related I tend to to really work hard on that sometimes it works to have a tag team of a spiritual director and therapist because then you're you're saying to your therapist oh this is what my spiritual director director said to me and you know then they can talk about it you can talk about it with both So it can work really well together, but I recommend if you have that and you can afford it to put that in your, you know, in your go-to, your (laughs) healthcare kit. Um, Because even if you don't feel like you need it in the moment to have somebody that you've kind of already built a relationship with, a rapport with, and then when you need that person 
you don't have to like start at the beginning you know you're like you know my my therapist her name's Ebony and I saw her quite a while and then I took a break because I was doing other things and then when I came back about a year later because I needed to work on some other things I didn't have to catch her up on my life history she already knew my life history I could just start with where I was at which was very which is was and is very helpful for me you know and she might ask some clarifying questions but I don't have to go from you know my early childhood wounds and rehash all that yeah so that's what I have I I've been thinking about this I'm going to continue to think about it because it's coming it's here it hasn't left and I I just I want to talk about the ways that we can show up for ourselves for our for the people around us and for each other and I I hope that this podcast does that for you I'd love to hear if it is helpful (laughs) I'd love to hear what you're thinking what you want to talk about just ideas that you have what do you if when you think about a self-care kit a self-care survival kit what would you put in it maybe something that you're thinking would liberate somebody else or would be something that had not even occurred to me and and we can help each other I hope that you take care of yourself. I hope that you give yourself time, if you can, to breathe, to look at nature, to cool down your body if you're also experiencing way too hot a climate, to be present with yourself and other people as much as you can and as healthy in as healthy ways possible. Um, just take care of yourself. Remember that this world needs you. That you are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Remember who you are. Thanks for listening, everybody.